Hi, it's Rod Roark. Welcome back to Roark Knows. I have one of my favorite, favorite people on Roark Knows podcast who's brilliant, Dr. Steve Fagan from Boca Raton. Steve, welcome. How you well, doing? Thank you, Rod. It's great to be back. Great. Man, I, I want to be in Miami. I, I want to be in Boca. So, okay. It's so hot now. It's like Dallas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not quite. We don't have a beach like you guys. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk today about the innovations and other uses of Botox. And when I mention Botox, by the way, it's like Kleenex. You know, there are many different uh, FDA-approved neuromodulators, but we're going to talk about the power of neuromodulators maybe way beyond wrinkle control. So and Dr. Fagan is a world expert. He's an oculoplastic surgeon. He is brilliant. He also is a world expert in neuromodulators and filler uses, and he and I have been friends for a long time. So, Stephen, so tell us about... Tell us about some of the things that most people don't really know about neuromodulators or Botox. Like, what are some of the common uses? That, I mean, like, people use it for all kinds of things, like depression. Now, how does that, is that true? Is that real? And yet there's a lot of articles about it. Tell us about yeah. that. Well, I was involved with, uh, with Allergan, with the Botox Cosmetic, when the proof of concept was a dermatologist and, and a, a psychiatrist got together and they said, you know, our patients seem to feel better after they get neuromodulators, Botox specifically. And the thesis was always, and the presumption was people look better, they looked in the mirror and they felt better about themselves. So right. if they were depressed, they felt better. Well, interestingly, although that certainly is a plausible heart reason for it, it's probably not the only reason. And there's probably a central brain effect that happens when you inject with Botox or any neuromodulator for that matter. And the, the current theory is that it works through the amygdala um, and that through the superorbital bundle, uh, you can get some feedback to the amygdala uh, pleasure centers and so forth that injecting the labella only seems to help. And wow, so Botox is me. more than skin deep. Into the, amyg yeah. the amygdala, by the way, is deep in your brain. So that's really, right. did they? Is that what they conjecture? Yeah. They, well, that's the that's the current theory, which wow. most of these are until you can prove them, which is very difficult to prove. So I actually went and trained a lot of psychiatrists on how to inject the glabella, because none of them have touched a needle or a syringe since their med school. Probably and, not unwise. That's good. Yeah. And so interestingly, it was uh, it was uh, fascinating to watch people inject you've never injected before uh, on actually models, not not real models, though. Really? So we had to get them up to speed. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a trainable process. Uh, so the the proof of concept was just that, that it worked, seemed to work. And interestingly, the phase one studies uh, and the early studies, even proof of concept, they compared it to electroconvulsive therapy. What? Where the old ECT. Right. And the results with Botox were better, even though that's a, that's a relatively barbaric, old school treatment for depression that worked. But I know. Was, I remember, you know, we were doing it when we were in medical school and even in residency, right? It was scary. Yeah. And, and the results with Botox alone in the glabella were better than ECT. Wow. So uh, it works. It's a, it's a fascinating concept. Um, so why it, hasn't it gone further than that, Steve? Well, it, it's going to be a long process to get FDA approved, just like for migraine headaches, which is another you know less known treatment uh, problem for with using neuromodulators. But the interesting thing in, is that, and I presented this uh, to the 
companies that make neuromodulators, most of them, that if it indeed works for depression, which it seems like it does, wow, that would be huge, number one. Oh, my God. Two, most things are binary, meaning that, and we've seen this in our practices. It's like, why do some people get two or three months and some people get eight months? Right. Why do some people get six weeks? And I think personality affects duration and response to neuromodulators in reverse. I agree. So neuromodulators can affect mood, but mood can affect the results of neuromodulators. And people don't usually look at it in reverse. But but that's probably true to some extent. And, and you know you're you're very fit, athletic, kind of hyper right. 90-pound female. She'll tell you it lasts two to three months. Exactly. You know, she's out like crazy and it just doesn't work. Um, and we've always made assumptions on why that occurs, but and we've never really thought much about personality and level of anxiety and depression wow. that may affect the results of neuromodulators. Wow, that's amazing. So so, and you know what? I do see that sometimes. I mean, uh, it can make people, I mean, I just because they look in the mirror, that's, so that's the superficial effect of, hey, I, I look better, so I feel better. But it's deeper than that, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and that probably has a role. I think people that feel yeah. better about themselves have a more self-confidence and, and less depressive moods. So, but, uh, but there's more to it, just yeah. like everything else. It's never one thing. Right. So is... Are people proceeding with the studies on that? I know there's a lot of research on it, but they're proceeding. Yes, they yeah, they are. Yeah, you know the the problem, as you know, and, and you and I are both involved in many clinical studies. The long run. Uh, these studies take a long time, and they 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 are are they are very expensive as they should be because you, you have to go through rigorous trials to prove it, right. and then safety and efficacy is the most important. Is it safe to treat that? Uh, and does it work? Does it work? So it'll take years but pro- probably before it's FDA approved. And that's what happened with migraines before right. it got approved. Right. It was which, which was amazing. And it, we don't. That's, 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 uh, let's bridge to migraines. I mean, migraines is phenomenal. A lot of people don't think about that. And, you know, anytime you don't have to use drugs, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, neuromodulators are a drug, but at least, you know, it's not a drug that it, it's fixed at the end point. So, but it works amazingly for migraines, does it not? And tell us how it does. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Anytime you don't need to use the systemic drug. Right, that goes uh, all over your body, it, meaning, you know, but just in one area, yep. I yeah, so local therapy usually is more palatable because it doesn't affect other areas of the body and you don't have their side effects. So right. um, the biggest side effect of treating migraines with neuromodulators is they actually look better. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's fantastic. And, and, uh, I, I will tell you, um, neuromodulators for migraines or, and even stress and he- headaches. And just like you, you know, I, you know, I do a lot of neuromodulators. It's amazing. I treat them for their headaches or their neck spasms. They love it. And yeah. it and it does work. And obviously, you know, some of that is insurance based. We don't do insurance, but it's amazing how it works. But let's also bridge to something else that I think is fascinating. And I know uh, they're working on FDA approval. Some of the companies is is um, is the role in masseter hypertrophy or in 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 uh, in its use in bruxism, which is you know obviously when you're grinding your teeth, and even TMJ problems. So tell us about that, Steve. That's powerful. Also fascinating. Um, so it makes sense. Uh, if you have bruxism, you're clenching at night, grinding yeah. your teeth. Your dentist say, tell you you're wearing down your teeth. What did we do? 
Uh, they use bite guards, which I believe in a majority of patients doesn't work very well right. uh, because you continue to grind. So the question is, is do you reduce the power of grinding by reducing the, the strongest chewing muscle, which is the masseter? Right. And a lot of these people have masseteric hypertrophy because they're flexing their muscles constantly, even while they sleep. So it works incredibly well. It requires a pretty good dose to, to take down the masseter uh, functionally. Uh, but interestingly, on top of the, the functional improvement with bruxism, the facial shaping that you can get with people that have enlarged uh, masseters and get heart-shaped faces and change square faces to more heart-shaped faces are the, the kind of patients I more commonly see for masseter yep. treatment. Yep, same here. I mean, and it is dramatic, I must say. Now, tell me about the dosage. What do you use for dosage when you're seeing one for the first time? First time, I'll usually hit, probably treat them with about 20 units. Yep. Uh, it, Same here, it, 20, 25 units. Yeah. You know, and I think it typically, as you do, and I, I've, I've watched you inject, uh, and I've learned a lot from you, Rod, um, usually three-point injections are, are, are effective, and that's, just, that's where I usually start and usually yeah. get maybe about six or seven units per injection point. Right. And the injection needs to be deep. Right. The mistake that people make is that they inject too superficially, and you need to get to the deep part of the masseter. Right. So, um, and, and and it works, and it works incredibly well. And the patients are so gratified because they they don't wake up in pain, uh, and they get some facial slimming because obviously they square off on the bottom if their their masseters become large. Yeah. And so it, it's been great, and I have patients asking for it all the time now it, when they it, did five years ago. I know, and actually they come back actually is more almost more than they do for their frown lines. It's amazing. They say, "Well, I, I'm going to get my." crow's feet but yeah. i really want my masseters and yeah, i find it lasts four to six months and uh it's yeah. it's unbelievable and they're happy so i'm glad they're trying to work get the fda approval they are they are the, the you know the other interesting uh probably yes utilized application for neuromodulators is treating ilitosis yes tell and us about that it seems paradoxical yeah. Yes, because the biggest feared complication of neuromodulators <laughs> is you hear patients come in and they go, I don't want to get a droopy lid. My neighbor got it and she got a droopy lid. And that's, it's usually not drug related. When you get a droopy lid, it's not from the drug. It's from a, a, just a, a, an injection that wasn't done quite well. And we all, we, we've all had it in our careers, yes. but it, as we get more experience, those expert injectors rarely get it. Uh, but the fact that you can treat a droopy lid uh, with neuromodulators is, 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 I wrote the original articles with NPRS I know. many years, 10 years ago, and people said, whoa, wait, that doesn't make any sense. How do you treat a droopy lid? So it works just like it does everywhere else on the face where you have an antagonist and a protagonist, meaning one muscle that goes this way and another muscle that goes this way. So if you've got a droopy lid, if you reduce the depressing muscle, you allow the elevating muscle to take over and have more dominance so you can open the eyelid a bit. Works very similar to what you'd use upneak, which is a popular ophthalmic right. drug used for myelitosis or NAFCON A. And it, the nice thing about doing it, similar to, it, it's a local effect that tends to last longer than having to use eye drops constantly or surgery. Right. So patients opt to have that now that people know that I do that similar to masseter injections they ask commonly they go hey i heard you treat uh droopy eyelids so, are mine and not everybody's appropriate for it but it works yeah so tell me and you put in it just a few units in the orbicularis right on the eyelid right right so the the key is is low dose because you want to be able to close the eyes so yeah. you typically use a unit 
in the inner aspect, just above the lashes, closer to the nose and the eyelid, and then the outer aspect of the eyelid, just above the lashes, towards the outer corner of the yeah. eye. Two injections of a single unit usually work for a couple months. Yeah, uh, You can go a higher dose than that, but I find the blink rate, when you watch people blink, they'll blink slower on that side that's noticeable if you do any more than one unit. Right. Uh, it's usually not dangerous, but it's just the asymmetry may bother them. And sometimes I'll treat patients who have ptosis in both eyes with, with upper lid treatments to both eyes. Yeah. So other innovative uses, this is fascinating. And I think one of the most amazing thing has been transformed is in CP, cerebral palsy patients. It's, I, I will tell you, you know, when I was in training, we would be doing surgery on these patients for these contractors, but it has been transformational in these patients just, and they used high doses of neuromodulators and, you know, for cerebral palsy, it's really muscle dysfunction, but it has been amazing, hasn't it? It's, it's yes. transformational for these kids and these adults. Yeah, for limb spasticity, including, you know, disorders like cerebral palsy, uh, it's been a godsend for these children. Right. And, and they have to use high doses. So when people are worried about what's called tachyphylaxis, <laughs> and they're worried that, oh, am I going to get immune to my Botox? The cosmetic doses that we use are a fraction of right. what we use, like you mentioned, for cerebral palsy spasticity. So the, yeah, but those are patients, the ones that get two, 300 units per treatment session are probably slightly more at risk. And even those patients rarely get e immunophylaxis. Exactly. And that's what I always tell them. I said, and some of them get up to four to 600 units. And it, it almost helps to normalize them. It's it's been unbelievable. I, I have several of those patients, and it, it's it's been a godsend. So so you know this is really about innovative uses of neuromodulators. So it's not just for cosmetic uses. In fact, it was discovered for severe ocular spasms, right, in the 70s yeah. by Dr. Scott, and then of course the Carruthers. Tell yeah, us so, about that. Uh, Alan Scott was uh, the pioneer. He was a, a pediatric ophthalmologist in San Francisco area was using it for cross eyes, strabismus, and children. Wow. Uh, Gene Carruthers was one of his fellows. And uh, so Gene in Vancouver, a, a dear friend of both of ours, uh, it was accidental discovery. She was treating actually blepharospasm, another disorder they were treating using uh, what was then called oculinum and became Botox eventually when Allergan bought the patents. She treated one of her blepharospasm receptionists, actually a patient receptionist. And the, the patient reported that I think I'm ready for my oculinum again because my lines are all back. He <laughs> said, oh, my gosh. And that's how it all started. Accidental yeah. discovery. And we thank Gene for that. And Alice there. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful people. So so what are some take home points for people uh, that are considering neuromodulators? And obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about before, you know, it treats, you know, the crow's feet, the lines and elevates your brows and stuff. So so, I mean, people shouldn't be afraid, but. Really, they should find someone that really is an expert, right, in injecting neuromodulators because that's the key. Yes, absolutely. It, 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 every type of provider in medicine typically injects neuromodulators. The big difference is you can get cookie-cutter average injectors anywhere. Right. What you want, just like when you're trying to look for a surgeon, somebody who's exceptional. Right. And they don't get an okay result where the patients look a little better. Patients don't want to look a little better. Patients want to look spectacular. Right. And those spectacular results take a higher level of injection knowledge right. where you know exactly the dosing, where to place it. Asymmetric patients are difficult because if you treat an asymmetric patient symmetrically, they'll get an asymmetric result. 
So these patients want balance. And the beauty of understanding facial anatomy and the drug and which drug you use, and there's several now in the US, is somebody who understands the drug, understands facial anatomy, uh, and understands what the patient wants. Right, exactly. Well put, and also someone who's a true expert, you know, like yeah. Dr. Fagan. So know before you go, find an expert, expertise, skill, that's what you need. And these are especially, we've been talking about a lot of innovative uses of neuromodulators. So with the innovative use becomes a lot more, a higher level of expertise. You're not going to find that in a spa. So know before you go, helping you become a better you. Give us your comments and thoughts, and we'll be happy to answer them uh, in our DM on the YouTube channel. Thank you again, Dr. Fagan. As usual, it's been a pleasure. I learned a lot. See you. Thank you. Take care. Be about it.